Welcome to Bubbles and Biz, where we raise a glass to small business owners and entrepreneurs. Hi, I'm Nicole Bernard, and I'll be your host. I've been a small business owner for over 12 years, and I know how hard it is to market your business effectively. With all the tools out there, it can be confusing, and with all the tasks of running a business, it can be hard to find the time. In this podcast, I'll cover best marketing practices, essential tips and tricks to grow your business, and chat with other business owners to glean valuable information that they are using to crush their goals. So grab a glass and let's chat. Hey guys, and welcome back to Bubbles and Biz, where we raise a glass to small business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, Y'all are going to be so excited about this conversation today because I feel like it's going to be so helpful for all of us. Um, My guest this week is Stacey Tushel. She is a longtime entrepreneur, um, host of the Foot Traffic Podcast, and author of The Implementation Code. So thanks for joining us today. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. I just ordered your book, too. I've been meaning to do it for weeks. So that's another thing, too. Y'all, it's free right now with just shipping. So... That would be amazing too. Um, and I'm sure. We'll yeah, I appreciate that. And I can't wait to hear what you think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. I was going to, I'm going to read it. And so we have a book club too for Bubbles and Biz um, okay. for all these recommendations. So that's going to be in our lineup. Amazing. Yay. Uh, and so Definitely you got your- a timely book, I should say too, because I was, I was obviously writing this before COVID hit, mm-hmm. but wow, did I pick the perfect time to write a book about <laughs> getting it all done, actually taking action and implementing because we really do truly need it now more than ever. Yes. I know just having these little systems with like all of us, you know, with having kids at home and just how everything has changed. Like I know it's going to be a game changer. Yes, definitely. Awesome. And you got your champagne and everything. Like it told me it was in New York yesterday and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) No, um, my assistant said it was delivered. I don't physically have it here, but I appreciate that. But she said, yes, she received it. She's got it. And she'll be sending it to me. I meet her on Thursdays. Oh, yay. Okay. Awesome. Enjoy. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So let's dive in with like a little bit of your backstory, just so everybody knows. Um, What I love is that your background is so diverse where it's like brick and mortar and online, which is amazing. So yeah, just if you want to start with that. Yeah. So um, my background is I I originally started teaching dance classes in my parents' backyard. I did that right out of high school, not with an intention to make it a business, but just to continue doing a passion that I really enjoyed. So I was actually going to school um, thinking I was going to get a regular full-time job, you know, do the very traditional path. While I was teaching dance classes, all of a sudden, Uh, word of mouth happened. I I found out what word of mouth is and how that works so fast. And within three years, I had a hundred kids coming to my parents' backyard. And then um, while I was going to school and I realized, okay, my my family, they actually have a small business as well. So my grandfather started a construction company about 50 years ago. And they said, I think this could be a business. And it's funny because people always say, well, you must have known you were going to be an entrepreneur. No, I didn't. And in fact, I have two sisters who had zero interest in becoming entrepreneurs. And my mom and my dad worked for um, my grandfather. So it wasn't something that we were like trained to think or trained to think we were going to grow up into, but it really started to just evolve the more I started to do my passion. And now I can see, I definitely have that, that, that entrepreneur blood in me. It is one of my, like, I could talk business with you all day long. Like it is just (laughs) such a fun thing for me to do. So now I I still run those businesses today that this dance studio, I actually have two performing arts academies here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, that I've been doing now for the last 18 years. 
And about five years ago, I started to teach other small business owners how I was growing these successful businesses, but not having to work in the building. Because if you know what brick and mortar means, (laughs) it usually means a lot of time in that specific physical space um, and sometimes working way more and not getting the pay that you truly deserve. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I've seen so many people that have, you know, just tried, like, just trying even to like break even, you know, with just yeah. this whole brick and mortar and like the overhead and employees and everything. Um, it, it's just so much sometimes. So, and mm-hmm. especially now during this time during COVID. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's, it's sad because our customers or people looking from the outside, they see the jam-packed parking lot. They see, you know, just all the money they're spending and they start to do the math. And in their mind, they're thinking you are this like multi, multi-millionaire. And unfortunately, I work with so many small business owners where they aren't really good at business. They're good at their passion, right? Like they're mm-hmm. good at baking. They are good at, you know, um, being the dance teacher in that classroom. They are good at maybe being a CPA or being like that specific skill set, the dentist, but they have no idea how to market themselves and how to have a profit margin and stick to those numbers because that's not what we were trained to do. You know, we are just following our passion. So I think a lot of times I work with these amazing business owners who really have to start from square one when we're talking about really looking at profit margins and not just looking at revenue and and building a team and not just doing this all on your own because that we know can just overwhelm you. Yeah, that's huge. And then so so what can like where so a lot of these brick and mortars are struggling um you know and a lot of us are like there are a lot of them are having to move online during mm-hmm. this time and I I talk to a lot of business owners and they're like, "Well, I mean, you know, I just don't know where to start." You know, like what yeah. do I do? So like you know, what, what would your tips be? Like, where do they start? Like, what does this mean when we hear like, we have to move online, like for these business owners? Like, well, and here's the thing. Do you have to move online? No, not everybody has to move online. There are some businesses that are thriving. We just actually had one of our clients who had a brick and mortar, uh, didn't transition online, but in fact, she opened up a food truck and the food truck has like taken off. So what I, and and food trucks, I think they've been saying have been up like 30%, like they're doing better than pre COVID. So understand that you don't always have to do one thing. We always have options, right? You need to ask yourself like, what is something that you enjoy, that you like, that you could do temporarily, right? Um, Sometimes we have to do a temporary sacrifice. We have to have a temporary imbalance to get through hard times. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning of your business, you're like a yes, like you're, you're, you're just yes, right? Like that's the word that comes out of your mouth a million times. Somebody needs you. Yes, we can do that. Uh, Do you serve? And before they can even ask the question, you're like, yes, we have that, right? (laughs) Right? You are just saying yes to everything. And honestly, COVID might be making a few or more businesses start to become that yes person again, right? Mm -hmm. And, And I keep telling people, normally I would say stay focused, like stay in your lane, stick to what it is that you do. But we know that sometimes these businesses have just been destroyed, right? We are losing our profit margin. We are losing any chance to even break even and you may have to get creative. So yes, if you are, whatever you've been doing, if it's no longer working, it's time to start to think outside the box. But I always tell people, look around, model what's working, right? Mm -hmm. The, The taco truck that I was just talking about, 
they were seeing and witnessing the food industry, certain food industries, I should say, or certain types of food, food trucks and things like that. They started to see them skyrocket, right? And they're like, okay, they, they already wanted to do one of these. That was the first question I asked. I'm like, are you doing this to like just kind of capitalize? Are you going to like this thing in six months or a year from now? Um, and they were like, no, no, no. We've been talking about this for years. It just seems like the right time. Okay, great. Then it makes sense. If you're going to do something that you absolutely hate doing and it's going to be such a short period of time that you're going to implement it, mm-hmm. I would be careful that you're not wasting your time on something that isn't going to produce long-term results. Does that make sense, Nicole? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing that I want you to understand is it's time to adapt, right? Mm-hmm. It is time to ask ourselves, who do we need to be? Who does our customer need us to be? Um, And the biggest thing I can say is if you can keep your customer base, but switch to whatever it is they're looking for, you'll have the most amount of success than starting over from scratch, right? Yeah. One of the things that somebody had asked me, one of my clients said, okay, when, when COVID is over, you know, five years from now, when we look back and we say like, wow, like what were the businesses that made it? Like who was successful? Um, Like what types of businesses? And she was like very curious, like what were they selling? What were their industries? And I said, listen, I think it's going to be a mix of all industries, of Mm. all types of products. I don't think it's going to be like this industry took off and this industry is gone. I think it's going to be what types of business owners made it through right? Like what types of skill sets did they have? How adaptive were they? Um, Were they agile? Like being agile is one of the most important qualities you have to have during a time like this. And what it means is to move fast, to make decisions Mm -hmm. quickly. If you're somebody that takes a long time to take that next step, COVID is going to teach you how to start going faster because the second you make up your mind to do something and you've thought about it for three weeks, all of a sudden that problem you were solving is completely gone, right? All of a sudden, sudden the, the, the stores are closing or they're opening or there's masks and there's no masks. And it's just too hard to go slow in this type of economy. Yes, definitely. And, I, and I, that's so true. I mean, I feel like that, like you just said, like during COVID, but like that's just something we do as entrepreneurs anyway. But yeah, even now, like we have to be able to do that. And like a lot of us, I've talk to, you know, sometimes we, we overanalyze and we kind of like get stuck and, but we can't, we don't have that luxury right now. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. I can't tell you how many people are just saying to me, I'm stuck. I don't Mm -hmm. know what to do. I'm frustrated. I can't believe this has happened or, or things like, well, we were doing so well before COVID hit and they just can't get over the fact that COVID has hit. right? Right. And the longer you spend having thoughts like that, that are not serving you, right? The more your competitors are actually taking that action and being agile and being adaptive, and they are going to be the ones bringing a new solution, taking away some of your potential clients. Mm -hmm. So you you don't have the luxury anymore to sit here and throw yourself a pity party, to sit here and, and, and talk about how amazing it used to be six months ago, right? Times have changed. It's really time to start moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's not going to change anything, you know, if you like just keep looking back, you know, and I mean, just, I don't know that mindset, which is another thing, like is so huge. And sadly, like I've had a business since 2007 and like, I didn't even really realize how important mindset was in like running businesses until like two years ago. And now I'm just like, Oh my God, what have I been doing this whole time? You know? And 
I can't agree more with you. I used to think I don't need mindset. I'm successful. (laughs) Like just even saying that I feel so dumb that I said that, but I thought mindset was for like the newbie. And now what I realize is the higher up you get, the more money you make, the bigger your team is, the more you need mindset more than anybody because you've never had like to go through these certain things. We've never gone through a pandemic before. We don't know what is coming. We don't know what is happening, right? So there's so many things that we are self-sabotaging that we don't even realize. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That one took me quite a while to recognize. And then now that I understand it and I can see it, you know, and I still struggle with it sometimes, you know, and and the like mindset to like move past this and do what you should be doing. But yeah, like what would your tips be? Like what, okay. So say somebody listening, it was like, they're talking about mindset. Like how do I get started? You know what I mean? Like what what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah. Let me share a story with you. Um, I'll, I'll condense this into a shorter version, but um, I was home by myself with my kids. My husband was out of town for the week with no service, like in the middle of the woods on a canoe trip, couldn't answer his phone. And as I was opening up the curtain in the morning for my daughter, I knocked the curtain down, completely pulled it off the rod, everything. So I threw it on her dresser because we were getting ready for school. We come back later that evening, getting her ready for bed. And all of a sudden there is this like screeching high pitch noise in her bedroom. So we go in her room. She kind of points up to the ceiling at the smoke detector. I'm immediately thinking like, well, this is such an odd noise. Like I've never heard this noise coming from a smoke detector. It's not the normal chirping. Like it's just this crazy high screeching pitch. So anyway, I can't call my husband. So I call a fireman in my neighborhood uh, and he comes over and he's, and I tell him, I'm like, the smoke detector is making a crazy noise. I'm not sure what's happening. So all of a sudden he's like, okay, he's like putzing with it. He's trying to change the batteries. Nothing is happening. So he's like, call 911. And I'm like, uh, first of all, what is the non-emergency line? Like, let me figure out a way to call somebody that it's not like so urgent. And he's like, no, just call. This could be carbon monoxide. It could be really bad. You need to like take care of this. So I call. Imagine now a big fire truck and a police officer has pulled up in front of my house. (laughs) These three firemen come in with a police officer. They walk inside. Within 30 seconds, they come out and the noise is stopped. And I'm like, oh, like, wow, okay, what's going on here? And he's like, well, you see, you had this curtain rod and it was on top of um, the child's cash register toy and it was pushing on the button making that noise, okay? <laughs> I'm mortified. And the reason I share this story with you is because as I was sitting in bed reflecting, here's what I realized I just did, okay? And trust me, this is a business analogy here. Number one, I took bad advice from my three-year-old daughter. Like (laughs) she pointed up and I was like, oh yeah, it's the smoke detector. Then I diagnosed the problem incorrectly, right? I then convinced others of the incorrect diagnosis. So now I'm telling this other fireman, a professional real life fireman, I have convinced him that it's a smoke detector, right? (laughs) And then number four, I felt guilty even asking him for help. Like I should have known better right? And I realize we do this in business. Like this is exactly what we do. We take advice from people not succeeding. How many of you are watching the news, watching these business owners, listening to people who their business is tanking right now? How many of you are taking advice from them, right? Oh Mm -hmm. man, it happens all the time. I saw on, um, somebody's Instagram, it was like, don't take constructive criticism from someone who hasn't constructed anything. Right. That should be something you look at every day (laughs) Mm -hmm. because we so easily won't go like, oh, but that's what they're doing or they're doing this or they're doing that. And you have no idea that they are struggling. Okay. 
So be very careful. Um, mistake number two, we get so fixated on the problem that you can't even see the opportunity. You can't, like you are, I'm so focused on that cash register, or I should say I'm so focused on the smoke detector. I was never looking for the cash register, right? Some people are so stuck in COVID right now. That's all they can think about. Right. They are not looking for the opportunities. So that's, I mean, that, those are just two of the things that I'm, I'm immediately thinking of right now. Are you wasting time talking about what you should have been doing versus what you could be doing right now? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, um, we get others to drink our Kool-Aid. Like I convinced this fireman, Hey, like this is where it's coming from that. He didn't even look around. (laughs) Like, are you convincing your spouse? Are you convincing your team, your clients? Sometimes I will see people's messaging and I'm thinking, of course, they're not buying from you. Look what you just said to them. You're freaking them out. You're making them think, this isn't an ideal situation, right? So be careful that we're not getting others to drink our Kool-Aid or even worse, whose Kool-Aid have you been drinking? You know, oh, the news and all these things. I could just go on a, a rant right now of what not to be doing. So be very, very careful with who you're surrounding yourself with. I think that's where the mindset really plays a big part. If you're listening to amazing podcasts like this and you're being inspired and uplifted and getting people to say like, what could happen versus the opposite of watching the news and where how disastrous things are and how 25% of the businesses are closing and, and they make it way worse than it really is, right? right. So be careful. Um, and then the last mistake I would say was feeling guilty, right? I, I should be able to figure this out. I should know better. I should have been, um, oh, so many things we've said. I should have been more prepared. Mm-hmm. I should have had a bigger emergency fund. Why wasn't I diversifying? I should have been online too. I shouldn't have just done my brick and mortar. I should know better. I should know this already. These are things that every time a client of mine says it, I'm like, wait, freeze. Should you? Should you know better? Should you know how to get through a pandemic? Something we've never gone through before ever. I mean, I didn't even realize that the government could just be like, okay, your doors are closed. You're not allowed to open. I mean, I've been in business 18 years. That was never something that I even fathom could happen. So why are we so set on, I should have known better? It's just, it's sad what we do, but we do, we do it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like we're so hard on, our, hard on ourselves sometimes, you know, and like also too, even the feeling guilty, like I know a lot of people don't want to ask for help when that mm-hmm. is like, we can't do it all of ours, like all by ourselves, you know, like there are other people that want to help us, you know, and we should just be able to ask and not feel guilty. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's sad because we do feel so guilty. We feel like, who am I to ask or, or like, ah, but I've already had this person help me or right. Whether it's paid help or just asking your mom or your spouse Mm -hmm. or your sister, right. Um, your neighbor, things like that. It's just, we take so much guilt and we put it on now. Yes. There is a fine line between overstepping and always asking for so much. But I don't think many of the people listening are that person. I think a lot of them are feeling the guilt that they don't need to be feeling. Yeah, I totally agree. And I just, I was just listening to your podcast, your most recent one about selling right before this. And I loved that too. Like there were so many things because I, same kind of thing. Like I'm just like, Ooh, selling, like even thinking of the word, just, I feel like something and I'm just like, I don't know. I loved all of the different aspects and mindset that you talked about in that podcast because that just it totally changes perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, and as much as I give so much strategy, 
if I don't give that mindset piece of it, mm-hmm. the strategy just won't work for most people. I mean, I can give a strategy right now, the exact same strategy to two totally different people. And I will not be surprised if one is crazy successful and the other one cannot make a dollar from that strategy. Yes. It's the same strategy, mm-hmm. but for some reason there's self-sabotage, there's fear. There are things holding some of us back, right? Yeah. And, and we're being influenced by things like the news or things like our friend who owns a business who's not doing well. You're, you're following just your industry and you're thinking, oh no, like this industry is not doing well. That's what everybody's saying. So then therefore you're not even trying to do well right? Mm -hmm. There's just so much that we're doing um, and and nitpicking those problems versus really asking ourselves, where's the opportunity right now? Mm -hmm. I'll never forget. I had this moment back in March where I freaked myself out. I threw myself that pity party and I was just sitting there like, what is the worst case scenario here? And I mean, I took myself back to, I'm starting from scratch. Like I really went there of, okay, if I have to start completely over, I wasn't like, I'll get a job. (laughs) No, I'm like, how am I going to serve the people that I've been serving? What do they need right now? And what could I give them? And it's that perfect combination of what can I do and what do they need? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and selling from that like zone right there, that's your sweet spot. I love that. Because Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it is all about serving. And so when, you know, if you think of it and realize that that's what selling is or that you're serving someone, then yeah, it doesn't have like, you know, it doesn't have to feel like that icky feeling of like, oh, I have to yeah. sell, you know? Yeah. I think in the podcast you just referenced, I talked about like this amazing diaper deal. Yes. You did. Target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like, I, I mean, my kids are older now, they're five and seven, so we're not in diapers, but we were in diapers. I feel like what was somewhat recently. And I remember like my friend, like you guys, Target has a special, it was like, you have to spend $200, which is still a pretty good amount of money, but you get this much back and all this stuff. And we were all passing it around. And I said, she didn't feel guilty telling me about this amazing deal because it was truly a valuable deal. Right. I think sometimes we have these deals that we think we were these offers, these products, programs, services that we don't fully believe is a phenomenal like deal. So we don't sell it like the girl texting me about the diapers, Right. You've got to get into a state where you're like, this is so incredibly valuable. I have got to get it in the hands of my customers now. It is better than what my, cl- my competitors have. It's, it's going to be more valuable. Um, they're going to get better results from it. And when you believe that, that fear starts to go away, right? But I think mm-hmm. a lot of times there's just that lack of confidence of, is this good enough? Am I giving a great deal? Am I getting my clients results? Am I solving a problem? Those are questions you really have to ask yourself. Yeah, I love that. Which all ties into mindset. You know, it's all absolutely like, all related. Um, oh, I love that. Um, so I do. I have a like. I ask this question all the time on the podcast, and I can't yeah. wait to hear your answer. Like, so what's your favorite? Like, what's your most favorite way that you market your business? Mm, okay, so I always talk about this this like phrase I call seeding versus selling. Have you heard me talk about this? So seeding is where you get to like say whatever the product is, but you, that's it. You just say the name. So you start to seed that information, right? When I say the word powerhouse, when I say foot traffic formula, when I say one of my clients inside of foot traffic formula, she just did. Okay. Right there. Like, Mm -hmm. You're like, wait, what is foot traffic formula? What is like, tell me more. So we get people all the time that will DM us 
They will comment under a Facebook Live. They'll shoot us an email. Hey, Stacy mentioned this thing briefly, right? Because there's <laughs> no other information. I'm like, I just say the word and I let you, I leave you hanging. But what it does is the value that we deliver in our blogs, our newsletters, our podcasts, and you know, everywhere we, we are, when we give that information, if it's valuable enough, you're going. I need more. How else do I work with you? Right? Mm -hmm. So when you hear, and, and here's the thing you have to understand, just by telling somebody you sell something without even trying to sell it to them, that at least opens the doors for them to go, oh, there's more. Some people, they're so oblivious, they have no idea you sell something. They just think you love Instagram and you are so friendly and so helpful <laughs> and they are there to just hit the like buttons. They do not know there's a way to go deeper. So seeding versus just selling is a great way to let them know there's more, but then like the pressure is off because I don't have to pitch you for seven minutes on what the product is. If you're interested, you will step forward and say, tell me more about this. I heard you say this phrase or this program or this client, like, what does that look like? And now they've just given me, like they've opened the doors for me to now actually sell and not feel guilty. Cause I think a lot of us just feel so guilty selling that we don't, that we're like, we have this program and it's called this. And, right. and then quickly, well, and it's over. And then people are like, what? Like she, okay, it can't be that good because she did not look very confident when she <laughs> talked about it. Right. Right. And, and you've got to be very careful. So when, when somebody asks me about one of my programs, I can confidently go in depth because that's what they want. And that's what they asked me for. I love that. Yeah. I've heard you mention it before. And it's so funny. Cause we're just, we're so curious as humans when like, I love that. Like you just say it and they're like, wait, what is that? I need to know yes. more, you know? And it's like, like you said on Instagram, like I'm going to start digging. Yeah. And I, okay. So I just interviewed Michael Hyatt earlier today and, um, he did such a phenomenal job of seeding on my podcast. It, and it, here's the thing. When you seed, you can even seed on somebody else's show and mm -hmm. not have them get upset or think like, like if I came on here right now and I did a sales pitch, Nicole would be like, are you kidding me? And then even her followers would be thinking that was kind of weird. Right? So what my point is seating is a great way to even do it on somebody else's platform. So Michael Hyatt came on my show today and he just said this like very simple sentence about one of his clients and one of his programs. And I was like, that was it. And I, <laughs> I was like proud of that moment to be like, that was a professional way to do it for somebody who's interested in Michael to be like, I'm going to go check that out right now. Yeah. And I think you'll start to notice it now that I say it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. And I just love too that, like you said, it just it kind of takes the pressure off. So it's yeah. just like you're sharing, but you're not having to pitch and it's just, yeah. you know, it's just out there. Yeah. Oh, I love well, it. I have so many clients that will be like, oh, I could never sell a private coaching call for $97 or I could never sell. I'm like, well, do they even know that you do sell those things? Like what if you didn't even say how much it was or what you do, but you brought up a situation in which you did this yesterday, right? Like, do they even know that that is the best part is just letting people be aware of what it is you sell. People don't do it enough. I was in a mastermind, like a local mastermind here. And somebody, the facilitator said, how often should you be selling? And, um, we had to write down the number and I, or the frequency I should say. So they start sharing around the room. They have not called on me yet, but people are like once a week, um, <laughs> once, a, once a month, once every four emails. And I was seriously so embarrassed. And thankfully there was, the room was too big where nobody ever called on me. My answer was 24 seven. And I was like, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to step on the facilitator's toes right now and tell everybody that in the room that they're wrong. But what I want you to understand <laughs> is you should always be selling. You should always like, 
put out that time and energy and effort, but make sure that it's actually coming back to you, right? Because when, like you said, when you are selling a phenomenal product, you are serving. So there's no reason that you can't talk about what you do every day. Right. So I just, I, th- I find that funny because I, people are, sell- they're not making enough money, right? We talked about that at the beginning. People aren't mm-hmm. happy with the income they're making. Well, you're not selling enough to make the income you want to make. So that's the biggest problem I'm seeing. Right. It's so true. Yeah. I mean, and that's, it's all up to the business owner. You're like how often, and you know, people probably hear that like, Oh, 24 seven, how am I going to do that? But if you're mm-hmm. doing it in this way and with that mindset of service, like it's totally doable. Yeah. And if you're putting out content on platforms that people are seeing all the time, whether it's organic or paid traffic, somebody is listening right now to one of my podcasts, right? Somebody Mm -hmm. is reading something on Instagram. I, even though I'm here with you right now, somebody is buying through a Facebook ad going to a webinar, right? Like you can still be selling 24 seven and all these different platforms, Mm -hmm. which you talk about in that podcast too. So y'all need to go listen to that podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And do you want to share a little bit more about the book? Like what's included for anybody that might be interested? Yeah. So the reason I wrote the book, um, it's called the implementation code is just because I do have a lot on my plate. Like people look at me and they always go, how are you getting all of this done? So I wanted to really share the difference between just like, I didn't want it to be a productivity book. I wanted Mm -hmm. you to understand that implementing, taking action, taking the right action would really get you the results you're looking for. So I think sometimes we just try to squeeze in even more in our day or we wake up earlier or we, you know, we multitask certain times of the day and that's not what it's about, right? It's about taking the right steps and actually implementing, which is where the name, the implementation code came in. Um, but the book itself right now, it's completely free. You just pay the shipping and handling. We'll mail it right to you. And with the book comes a free companion course. So you'll have access to jump into some videos, some workbooks. Um, my goal is that you actually read this book and implement, right? If I always said to my, my, um, team, as I was creating it, I said, we cannot create an implementation book without people actually implementing something from the book, or we are <laughs> going to look like we don't know what we're talking about. So I went above and beyond to put this together to show you how easy it is. And, and even the last chapter in the book is kind of like a recap of here's what you should do now, now that this book is over. Cause I think mm-hmm. sometimes we read a lot of these books and they're amazing and they're like life-changing for a moment. And then mm-hmm. we just put them on the shelf and we forget that they even exist. So you got to be really careful that you aren't always in consumption mode and that you are taking enough implementation after it's over. So be very careful. But the link to go get the book for free is just implementationcode.co forward slash free book. And that'll take you right there. Awesome. Yeah. I'll make sure to include that in the podcast notes. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reading, um, the compound effect right now. And I love, yeah, he's just great too. Same thing. He was like, you know, people talk about manifesting and talk about this and, but it takes a lot of hard work too. Like after you read this book, like you have to go and do these things, you know, or else it's all for nine. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm a big Darren Hardy fan. I think that book is phenomenal. It is definitely a great book to get you taking like habits and actions and all of that. We touch on habits in like one of the chapters in it. Um, so if you know, like you've got to really go deep on habits, it Mm -hmm. definitely, um, definitely a good recommendation. Awesome. Um, so that leads me into like my last few questions of yeah. like your favorites. So what is your favorite book? Oh, my favorite book. Um, I, I'm going to say for, especially for this audience, Profit First, because mm-hmm. it has really given me the most impact on the difference in my life and my business. 
Yes, it is an awesome book. I don't like numbers because I, I just like kind of doing marketing and strategy and creative stuff. And so that book was an eye opener to me because I, you know, like a lot of business owners, like I didn't have our like our financials in order in the beginning and, you know, it can get kind of ugly quickly. Yeah. And then I heard about well, that book and let me tell you too, as somebody who's had a business now for almost two decades and a million dollar plus business, please know that it's, it's not like when I start making this kind of money, things will get better. What right. happens is your bad habits stay with you and they scale. Yes. So you're not going to magically change when you hit a hundred thousand or 500,000 or a million. I promise you, I've seen it in myself. I've seen it with my clients until you actually change your habits and the way you are spending and saving and investing and all of that, you will continue to be the same person three years from now, five years from now, when we look at your bank account. Yes. I love it. Oh, it was actually a quote from you too. I think it was probably a few years ago. I was listening to a podcast and you were like, the first thing I talk to my clients about is, or we talk about your calendar and your bank. So I can see where mm -hmm. you're spending your time and your money. And I was like, Ooh, I wouldn't yeah. want to show her that. <laughs> well, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Most people don't want to show me. They're embarrassed, right? They're like, Oh no, let me, let me, um, give me a week and then I'll show you. Right. <laughs> right. That's not how this works. Right. It really does show you a pretty big eye opener when you go to look back and reflect on what has already happened versus, you know, when people say like, Oh, let's track what you ate and you have this food mm -hmm. journal. Let me tell you, my food journals always look great. I am like on my best behavior when I am documenting my food journal. Now, <laughs> if you were to say, Hey, Stacey, pop quiz, go write down everything you ate the last two weeks. It would probably not look as good as the, the journal that I knew you were going to be looking at. So I always say like, okay, don't go a week from now when you are on your best behavior, go look at last week, go look at the week before. What mm -hmm. have you been doing? Totally. Yeah. I have not started the tracking he recommends, but <clears throat> probably because of those reasons, <laughs> but it's definitely yeah. on my to-do list. Yes. Um, what's your favorite drink? My favorite drink, um, I would say, I'm going to say sparkling water. Mm, those are good. I love those. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm obsessed with sparkling water, but I only drink them when I'm done with my work day. <laughs> but I love them. <laughs> yeah, it's so nice because, I mean, I love water, but after a while, you're like, oh, I just don't even feel like drinking water anymore. I'm like, mm -hmm. I need something like a little more refreshing. Yes. Um, what's your favorite thing to do to relax? Go on a walk. Hopefully if it's nice outside, because I'm here in Wisconsin, but I love when the weather's nice and just going on a walk. Nice. Are, like, are the colors starting to change for y'all or not um, yet? A little bit. Yeah. Um, it, it happens so fast here. Like there's some trees that have like a bright orange, like a few branches and then tomorrow the leaves will be gone. <laughs> so it, it does happen very quickly, but yeah, some of the leaves have started changing. Oh, that's awesome. That's falls my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, what's your favorite thing to watch? Favorite thing to watch. Um, I'm kind of a nerd and I really like the documentaries. Like to me, if it doesn't make me feel like I'm sitting there binging something that's not productive. Mm -hmm. Um, I like right now I'm watching, um, there's like a, a Bill Gates documentary, I think on Netflix. That's really good. Oh, that's good to know. I love mm -hmm. stuff like that too. Yes. Um, and lastly, where's your favorite place to go? When you can travel. <laughs> hmm. When I can travel. Um, we're big Florida people. I don't, I feel like people from the Midwest East coast, like we just go South to Florida. That's where you go. So I would say probably someplace in Florida that's warm. Otherwise not United States, any place tropical. Oh yeah. Love the beach. That's like always mm -hmm. the best place to go. Yeah. I, I grew up outside of new Orleans. So we would always go to Florida and like the yes. Gulf coast is so pretty. Like people don't, I don't think understand. Yes, that's is. our favorite place to go is like Southwest Florida. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. 
well, yay, this has been so much fun. Um, I was so excited when we were able to like put this on the calendar and yeah, yeah just thanks for all of your advice. I know everybody's going to get so much out of it. Like, it's just, it was awesome. Thank you, Nicole. I appreciate your time. And thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah. Thanks. And um, thanks for listening, everyone.